looking for in a sermon? Wanted to take a minute here and do a little thought thing. What are you looking for in the sermon? You know, we all come here and hear a sermon, we sing some songs, and we go home. But every once in a while, it's it's good for us to think about what what is it really we're doing here? What what are we doing in a sermon? What what are you looking for? Some I think some people come, uh, to be honest, just to in their minds, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be in worship, I'm going to hear the word, and I'm going to check that off. That's, that's, that's what I do. I do that on Sunday mornings. I check that off, that I took care of that task. Somehow that's going to feed me, and that's going to be good for me, and that's good. But um, maybe others uh, come here with a little different motive. Maybe, maybe you come here to really hear from God you know, to hear from God. Like, like I'm going to come here on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord, to hear the word, to, to let God speak to me and show me maybe something that I have never thought of or, or point me in a direction that I never saw. Um, and, and I'm looking for God to do that. Like I'm here to hear from the word of God so that God can change me or move me or direct me or comfort me or whatever. Something, something spiritual will happen during this time. I don't know why you know why you come, why you come, or what you're looking for, or you know uh, how you approach the sermon or how you approach the Word of God. Um, something to think about. I think um, maybe there's uh, there's this one treasure. Check out this treasure box here. I think sometimes we think, okay, <clears throat> God's Word is like a treasure box, and and I'm going to like get some nugget of truth today. I'm going to listen for something that God might say to me that would be like valuable that will be like something I could put into my life that will be like to change me a little bit you know in some way or some word of encouragement that I might like go yes I needed to hear that today Um, but but most of us think of this treasure box but what we should think about when we think about opening the word of God is this treasure box good job Gene so this is like from that scene at National Treasure right you know when they when they finally found the room it wasn't just a treasure box. It was like a room full of treasures. And when we come to the Word of God, I think it's more like this. And there's so much there, but I think we're, in our minds, we, we kind of limit things. We, we, we think small, and so we get small, but I hope this morning you'll think bigger. I hope this morning you'll think, like, when we open this Word, we're all going to be, like, on the edge of our seat saying, God, God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart as we go through this, this word today. Share something with me that not even the preacher says, you know, that I haven't even thought of, but God speaks to your heart through his word. I hope and pray some big treasure is going to fall on you today. I really do. I hope it will. So we're in 1 Peter. If you're there, uh, if not, go there, 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're working our way through Peter. Great letter. Peter is the man, right? He is the man. That's just all there is to it. I don't know what else to say. He's just the man. He's just so much like all of us, you know, highs and lows and emotional and, you know, just doing all kinds of crazy things, never really steady, but, but you know, just all over the place, kind of like us. But Peter was chosen by Jesus, called to be a disciple and an apostle, and God, Jesus called him to, 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 carry, to carry a load and to be a representation of who he is on this earth after Jesus left. And Peter is accomplished. I mean, he has done a lot of things. He has accomplished some some great things for God. I mean, he's done some miracles that you and I could never say we've done. I mean, like 
lots of things. So it's cool what Peter has done. He's written a couple books, and one of these letters is to a group of believers that are scattered. You know, this first letter is to a group of people who have been scattered in Asia Minor, uh, way out from where they, did I say Asia Minor? Asia Minor? Is there an R at the end of that thing? <laughs> you know how Southern people talk, and they always put an R at the end of stuff? I think I just did that. That's not cool. Asia Minor. Maybe there is an R there. There is an R there. Okay, so I got it right. Asia Minor. Yeah, so they're scattered through this, this territory, this region, and they're not comfortable there. They don't belong there. It's not their home. They're among strangers, and they're foreigners, and they, it's uncomfortable. We would never know what that's like, you know, unless we've been misplaced somehow. We, you know, some of us move around, you know. My family's in Buffalo. I've been around them in a lot of years. So I've Get a little hint of being scattered, but nobody forced me to do it. You know, God did, but you know, He just keeps. That's just how He is. But it's not like I was like yanked out of my house and dragged up north and thrown somewhere. You know, these people—that's what's happened to them. And Peter is speaking uh, in his letter some some big truth to them. He's trying to help them remember their place of grace, even in the midst of of like hardship and being in a place where they're not comfortable and they don't belong. He's saying, this is really not where you are. Where you really are is in God's grace. That's where you're living. You're living in God's grace. Yeah, your body might be up in Asia Minor, but you are in God's grace. Let that come first. And he's reminding them to remember what they have is greater than where they are. Right? And these are things we need to remember as we live on this earth. Right? That we live in God's grace no matter what goes on in our world or our life or good or bad things that might happen to us. We are living in God's grace and there's no better place to be, right? I mean, really, there's no greater place to be than in the grace of God, living and dwelling in Him. And, um, and that, that what we have, all the promises and the treasures that we have in Jesus, we're not quite there yet, uh, that we have in Jesus are greater so much greater than where we might end up whether it's indiana or michigan or wherever you know you you may end up so today he's going to call them to living in such a way in this passage we're going to look at he's going to call them to live in such a way that they cannot even do it they they can't do this they just simply can't do it if they don't have Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. It is an impossible task, what Peter is going to call them to do. So Peter's word to them is this, now and later, now and later. That's what he's going to say to them in these verses that we're going to look at, okay? Now and later. Just think about those two thoughts, and uh, we're going to read our passage. It's in chapter 1, verse 13 to 25, to the end. Okay, here we go. Verse 13, 1 Peter. Therefore, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. 
For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Wow, that's good, isn't it? There's so much there. There's so much good stuff there. And we're going to look at this for a few minutes. But, but Peter's saying, in all of this, and I'm going to point this out, he's saying this idea of now and later. Like, like think on this, the, the now and the later. As you live, wherever you are, however you are, where, whatever it is God has got you doing, think about the now and the later. There are some things in here that make it very hard for all of us to live up to as we read through that. There's some big truths there that are difficult, but these people... I mean, you think about these people, they're in a desperate state of hurt. They are misplaced, they are foreigners, they're struggling, and Peter is calling them to such a high bar, such a high task. It's impossible to do if the Lord isn't living in your heart. It is impossible. Do you remember um, when you were younger, maybe at some point in life where, where you were asked to do something you couldn't do, or you thought you couldn't do it? Maybe as a kid, you know, your parents, you're a teenager, and your parents yell at you to get your room clean. You better have it clean by noon or you're grounded for the rest of your life. You know, and you're thinking, man, it's 11 o'clock and I'm still in bed and there's no way in the world I'm going to accomplish this. Or, or maybe later on, you know, uh, your boss uh, or, or your employer gave you a, a work to do that just seemed unrealistic and impossible. There are times like that we have in life that things just seem impossible. Well, this is nothing like that. But it is a task that does seem nearly impossible, as Peter shares those words in those verses that we just said. And there's some really key words here that I want to point out. Uh, and here they are. Here's these thoughts that I want to point out. First is this, the, the idea of minds alert. The second thought is live out. And the third thought is purify self. And that's what Peter's going to say in this section to them. Now, just look at those things. Minds alert, live out, purify self. Those are some big truths. And, and what he says in context of these things that we're going to dig into here in a minute is, is difficult. It's hard. It's impossible if the Holy Spirit isn't living in you. These are big truths with big meaning. And they're not the easiest to pull off. But Peter's instruction is now and later. Kind of like, you know, American Express, don't, you know, they, they say don't leave home without it, right? Don't leave home without it. Well, well Peter is urging his, his, these people is this, don't live another day. Don't you, believer, live another day without thinking about the now and the later of how you're living your life. 
Don't go another moment without thinking about the now and the later, about how you're living your life on this earth. And he's going to contrast these two things, these two things. One, flee from the things that are now, and two, cling to the things that are later. So he's going to tell them in these verses. So let's, let's kind of dig into this a little bit and break it down. Uh, verse uh, 13, 13 to 16, let's look at that. Mind's alert. That's the first thought. Mind's alert, okay? Think about that. You're thinking about like being on your toes, right? Mind's alert, right? Constantly like focused. We're not going to get like misled. We're not going to be like wandering in our thinking. We're going to be like mind's alert. We're going to live our lives with minds that are alert. Look what he says. Therefore, in verse 13, with minds, minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you in Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now that's a tall order for a group of people who are misplaced and, and not comfortable where they're living, right? And they're strangers there. I mean, that's, that's hard, right? I mean, look at it. Is, is it not? Am I the only one who thinks it is? It means like, mind's alert means like be ready-minded, like think clean, have godly clear, be godly clear in the way you approach life and your, your thinking, your mentality, your, 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 your mental stability. Be like, have your mind alert on the things of God and know where the attacks of the enemy might be coming and be aware of what's happening around you. It's like when you walk into a place and you just kind of notice your surroundings, we should live our lives in that way. Like fully sober, he says, fully sober, set your hope, set your hope on the grace to be given you when Jesus comes back, when he's revealed. Like that's how we should be thinking as we live out our lives on this earth. To me, this addresses, uh, a side note, uh, the, the idea of drugs and the drinking question for me, because, you know, that's a, that's a big thing for with people, uh, especially not so much the, the worldly people who don't know Christ, but Christians who, who want to wonder if, if this is okay to be doing drugs and to be vaping and to drinking and all these things. And you got to ask yourself, Peter says to these believers, be fully sober, set your hope, and have your minds alert. So to me that says, like, like what, why would you want to alter that in any way? And how would it be biblical to do so? If you are altering your thinking, you are no longer minds alert, you're no longer fully sober, you're no longer setting your hope on the grace, you are allowing something to control your thinking. Here's what, here's what you need to know, Peter says, and it involves your mind, it involves your mind. He says, here's what you need to know. The way you need to have your mind alert is that Jesus is coming and your grace is going to be revealed Focus on that. Like, put your mind there. Let that carry you through anything. Let that, what you're going to receive, carry you through whatever trial and struggle you may be through, going through right now. Right? Even in a marriage, like in a marriage, it's so easy for people to throw in the towel, right? They do it all the time. The minute, the, the minute hardship comes, it's like, it's like, there's no higher goal. And so we're looking at, we're looking at the struggle and, and it seems impossible because we're not looking beyond the struggle at the, 
the glory of God and the grace to be given us and, and what Christ has promised us. And so we get, we get caught up in the confusion and the chaos and we quit and we just give up. But when your mind is on the greater picture, the grace that will be revealed, it carries you through the hard times. In verse 14, he says, think, think like this, obedience to God, right? Verse 14 is obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in the world, okay? Those are the things you did when you were in the world. Don't keep doing those things. The pagans, they do those things. Worldly people do those things. People who don't know Jesus do those things. But you do know Christ. Your goals in life are different. Your morals are different. Your standards are different. Don't live like them. Be obedient children to Christ, right? To God. Think obedience to God. That's how your mind stays alert. Don't conform to those evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. <laughs> ignorance, right? Anybody ever live in ignorance? Here, don't raise your hands. Yeah, I, I, have, I have. And here's the highest calling ever, right? Verse 15, this is that, that verse that we all look at and go, yeah, right, right? Like he says, like, first of all, brace yourself. And he, and he basically says, look, Jesus He's holy, and he called you to be like him. So you be holy in everything you do. Like, if, if, if that doesn't remove any questionable living styles, I don't know what else will. Like, that says, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is noble, you think on these things. You do these things. You put these things into your life, and you live it out just like Christ. You be like Christ in this world, the best Christ that you can possibly be. Don't give in to the stuff that you used to do when you didn't know Jesus. You focus now on Jesus. You get your mind alert on Christ. Like this sums up God's greatest goal for us as humans, doesn't it? Like to be holy. Like those of you who are saved by grace, you be holy. What a great challenge in life. There's no greater challenge, right? We're called to live a holy life, like pure and godly and set apart to represent Jesus, not to earn our salvation, but to represent Jesus, to be as much like him on this earth as we possibly can be. Here's the deal Peter, I think, is saying. He's saying, while you are on this earth, you aim for what God already sees you like in heaven because he sees you holy in heaven. So while you're living here, you live like he sees you there. Right? That's the challenge. Like, live that holy life. Minds alert. Second thing is this, verse 17. Live out, he says. Live out. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out. Live out your time. <laughs> like, like, like a prisoner would, right? <laughs> live out your time. But we are like servants of God. Like we said, God, I want to follow you. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. We gave ourselves to him, right? We voluntarily are slaves to God because if you're not a voluntary slave to God, you are a slave to sin. So you get to choose who you're going to be a servant of, right? He says, you live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things, things that will perish, as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, lamb without blemish or defect. He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, for us. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. Like, that's the reminder, Peter says. Your faith, 
your hope are in God, not your circumstances, not where you're pulled out and planted again, but your faith and your hope are in God, not the people around you, not your situation. He starts off this little section with this, the fairness of God, right? Like God is no respecter of man. He doesn't show favoritism, right? He doesn't. He just treats us all the same. He loves us all. We're all invited into his kingdom, right? Every one of us, every human being that will ever live has an invitation to come to Christ. But he does bless those who respond to him in faith. Hebrew writer said he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He does bless and work in those who say, God, I want to be yours. I want to be your child. So live it out, Peter says. Live it out. Walk this way. Right? Here's how you to walk. Go about your life like this. You know, go about your time here on this earth in a certain manner. Like 24-7, this is how you should live out your days, your moments, your marriage, your family, your kids, your work. Everything about you, you should live it out in a certain way. God's way. You live it out, and here's what he says, as foreigners. So this is a little different. They're foreigners because they've been transported and transplanted in another place but he says you're foreigners because this world is not your home you are foreigners on the earth why would you do what the world is doing when it comes to evil or ignorance or sin why would you go do what they're doing if you don't belong on this planet if you understand that your home is in heaven and you're living out heaven while you're working walking on earth why would you do what the world is doing why would you do that? He says, you live out your time like as a foreigner, like an irreverent fear, reverent fear of God, right? That we know we're, we're going to answer to God and we're, he's going to hold us accountable for the grace that we have received. Like he gave his only son, Jesus, who gave every ounce of blood in his body for your sin. And now we claim we're going to follow him and yet we're not. We will answer for that, Right? Like, that's, there's going to be a day of reckoning, right? A day to stand toe-to-toe before the Lord. And we dare not say we're following him and not follow him. We live out like in reverent fear as foreigners on this earth. Verse 18 and 19, he says, Peter says that we see the cost of our grace, right? We see the cost of our salvation in these words. He says, what you were handed was the empty way, right? An empty way of life. Like your forefathers, they handed you like junk, They handed you sinfulness. They handed you an empty way of life. But Jesus, he came and he changed everything and he redeemed you and he bought you back, not with silver or gold or trinkets, but with his precious blood. Like he redeemed you with his blood. He didn't just put money on the table and buy you. He put himself on an altar and died for you. And he calls us to live out our life with that in mind every day and it's through him he says that you believe it's through jesus and what he's done for us that we believe and so he says live it out live this out live out this this sacrifice of christ for you every day live it out live it out last thing he says is this purify yourself purify self verse 22 he says now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring 
Word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory. It's like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Peter says, remember. You remember that the truth is the cleansing agent. You remember that you're purified in the truth. And the truth is what cleanses you and the truth is Christ. He's the one who cleanses you. He's the one who purifies you. And by coming into him and working with him, Christ continues to work in us. The truth is Christ. And you have been purified by obeying Christ, by obeying the truth. That's how we get purified, right? That's how we purify self, by obeying Christ, by walking in Christ, by accepting Christ, by responding to his love and his grace. The result, then, of this purified life is love. This is love to others deeply from the heart because it's not you anymore. It's Christ loving people through us when he's living in us, right? Verse 23, he says, this new birth that you have, being born again in Jesus, that's what this new birth is. And here's the deal about the new birth. It is not of perishable things. It's not of physical. It's not of worldly. It's not of earthly treasures. It's not of stuff. But it is of the imperishable, like the indestructible, the heavenly stuff through the living, through the enduring word of God. You were redeemed. You are purified. We are born again, not of anything of this earth, but of something from heaven. And that something is the truth. And that truth is Jesus. And that's the only way you get purified. That's the only way we get cleansed to be able to come back into the presence of God is through Christ. And I love what he says, all people are like grass, right? We all are, right? And I don't know about your grass, but mine grows like very fast. And it needs whacked down, right? Cut down. That's how we are. We're all like grass. We just grow up and boom, gone. Here today, gone tomorrow, right? Temporary, short-lived. That's how all people are like grass. And he says, in all our glory, all our fame, all our greatness is like the flowers. One day looking pretty, the next day withered, right? Came back from Louisville, Kentucky, and all Trisha's plants are like, <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> but, he says, but he says, but the word, it's not short-lived. The word isn't temporary. The word will never fade. The word will never fall away. The word of the Lord, it's eternal. It's enduring and it is solid and you can live and bank your life on it. And this, he says, is the word that was preached to you. This is the word we have. Like, we don't have a word from some other religion or some other false god or some man-made thing or some worldly system. We have a word that is from heaven through Jesus, the Son of God. We have the word of God at our, in our hands, in our fingertips. This is not a joke. This is not like pretend. This is not made up. This is the word of God given to you. The treasure house of God is in your hands. What do we do with it? What are we doing with it? How is it impacting us? He says, this is the word of truth. He said that you live by. And this is the word of truth that you trust. Because where else are you going to turn? There is nothing as sure and solid as this on the earth at all. Purify self, he says. Let the word of Christ like fill you and change you and transform you and you get to like fully participate in it. 
Like you and I purify, Peter says, purify yourself. Like you, you and I get to work with Christ, with God on our living, on our lives as he, as he works in us and purifies us and gets the stuff out of us that needs to go. And he makes us more like him on the earth as we live. See, these guys, they're exiles and they're aliens in a strange place. And the recipients of this letter are, they're scattered, but they're not alone. They're dispersed, but God is trusting that their faith is being planted and spread in new places that they never thought they would ever spread it. And they are foreigners to the world, but they are not foreigners to God. They are his children, his sons, and his daughters. And Peter is reminding them of their place of grace. He's reminding them that their place is living in the grace of God, doesn't matter what town you're in. And he's reminding them that they have a salvation hope that is not of this world. And today he says, flee the things that are now and cling to the things that are later. And that's good news. And that is really good advice for us. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so glad, God, that you love us and that you have given us your word. And your word is more than a treasure, God. It's a, it's a, it's a treasure house of so much truth and so much power and so much hope for our living every day. And I pray, God, that you, that you would, in a powerful way, through your Holy Spirit living in us, constantly, God, remind us that in your grace we are the safest. That accepting Jesus as Lord of our life and responding to him in faith is where we need to be and begin. But that in you, God, it doesn't matter where we are in this world. It doesn't matter what might happen to us or how you choose to use us. We belong to you. And our home is in heaven and we eagerly await Jesus to return from there. Help us, Father, to keep our eyes on you. We love you so much, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name.